Numbers 11, verse 1. And when the people complained, that is, murmured, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and His anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them, and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Father, we pray now as we've read this scripture that you'd tenderize our hearts to your word tonight. Speak to us, Lord, in such a way that we can know that we've met with you. I pray, Father, for my own heart, even as I've studied this afternoon, you have brought some things uh, to my mind and to my memory that I have had to ask you to help me to be careful in my own speech. And, Father, I pray tonight that you would just use this message not as a rebuke, but as an encouragement to the people of God, that our yea be yea and our nay be nay. We pray, Father, that you'd just anoint the listeners now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> the people of God uh, have been delivered out of the bondage or uh, the slavery uh, in Egypt. How many of you say, I remember that story in the Bible? Amen. You remember how they were in bondage and how uh, God sent Moses and cried out to Pharaoh and uh, uh, God heard the the, uh, the uh, sighs and the cries and the groanings of his people, says Exodus 2, 23 and 24. And, and so he calls Moses to be their uh, deliverer, to go and be uh, the voice of God and cry out uh, to Egypt to let the people of God uh, go. So with the presence and help of, of God, who is the I am that I am. He said, who am I going to say sent me? I am sent you. And with the help of the I am that sent him, he goes and cries out for the, the deliverance uh, of the children of Israel and begins the process of leading them toward the promised land across the sea and to the promised land. The Bible says uh, that the Lord went before them in the daytime in a pillar of a cloud. And he went to, before them in the nighttime by a pillar of fire. I mean, his presence was continuously available and known uh, to the people of God. And so Israel is rejoicing. They, they've been delivered and, and the soldiers that pursued them have been drowned uh, in, in, in the sea. And, and they begin in Exodus chapter 15 to sing a song. It says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. For he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. He is my God. And I will exalt him. So they're rejoicing about uh, the good blessings of God. But they're rejoicing. Listen now. Their rejoicing is short-lived. And as we get to the book of Numbers, we find that as he leads them through the wilderness, uh, they begin this business of complaining or murmuring. Are you with me tonight? They begin the business of complaining or murmuring. The word murmur means to complain uh, as one who is obstinate. And the word obstinate means uh, 
uh, that someone is complaining and they have come to this business of complaining and they, they're obstinate now, meaning that they're unwilling to be reasoned with. They're unwilling to have uh, work this out. Boy, I tell you, as a pastor, I, I met this so often, this unwillingness to just allow someone to persuade you that we can get this all worked out and that we can, uh, as Christians, we can behave properly. I, I want to just say to you, I'm forever, I am forever counseling preachers every week. One of the things I, I didn't realize a preacher I would deal with is that my wife tells me she, she estimates that 15 to 20 hours a week I'm on the phone with preachers that are discouraged and there's a lot of murmuring going on and they're, 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 they're focused on that instead of focused on what they ought to be doing and that's winning the world and, and teaching the people of God to do uh, what they ought to do. So as we reach up Numbers chapter 11, the Bible says in verse 1, uh, and when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. So before I give my thoughts tonight from uh, the book of Numbers here, I want to just say right up front, do we understand what murmuring is? It is complaining. Would you say that with me? It is complaining. And it is complaining uh, to the point that we become Obstinate, unwilling to be persuaded uh, to leave that complaint and get things worked out. And so, uh, can we also get this in our mind before I go any farther? Uh, that the Bible says in Numbers 11, it displeases God. Amen? And I want to say to you tonight that we ought to be cautious as children of God to understand tonight that when we serve God, we're not serving some mythical concept up in heaven. We're not talking about some white-bearded Santa Claus sitting up in heaven on a rocking chair, as I heard one uh, chaplain say at a police funeral, smoking a stogie with some of his friends and just kind of shooting the breeze. That's not who God is. He is the sovereign God of the universe. Amen? Uh, come on now. And He is a perfect God. Say amen to that. And therefore, He requires of us that we do right. He requires of us that we do that which is pleasing in the sight of God. So I want tonight, uh, if you will please just listen carefully to me with an open heart, I want to just look at the characteristics, or I call it here, the mechanics of murmuring and how destructive it is in a church. If you remember now, I started this meeting on a very positive note, how we can bless our church. Tonight, I want to take the opposite approach and say we need to be careful that while we're trying to bless our church, we don't allow anything to come into our life that can destroy our church. Amen? Let me give you these thoughts now. Number one, when we talk about murmuring, murmuring is often uh, used against the very people that we know and that we love. Now, let me prove that to you. Look at Numbers chapter 12. Every one of these thoughts will come right out of the text. Numbers chapter 12. The children of Israel are, are murmuring. And chapter 12 and verse 1 says, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. Now, note this. Because of the Ethiopian woman who he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. We see here in the text that this murmuring is by a brother and a sister against their brother. It is murmuring against somebody they know and they love. It starts with a decision that Moses made. 
and that they did not understand, and they began to murmur and to, and to complain. I want to say to you that I have to say tonight, my greatest hurts in ministry have been from people I know. Now, let me explain this to you tonight. You know, as a pastor, uh, my family is not just my wife and my kids and my grandkids, but my, my church is my family as well. Amen? Come on now, help me here tonight. Now, you may not want to claim some of the folks in here tonight, but we're a family. You're a family. Come on, help me. We're a family. If you don't believe that, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And read it. Uh, the, the church is the family. And, and we're a body. And therefore, and therefore, what we do in that body affects every one of us. It affects every one of us. I, I used to say to my church, be cautious of all your behavior. Because if you mess up, you're not going to only affect your own life. You will affect all those who have been watching your life. Amen. I know as a pastor, uh, one of the things I tried to be very careful about was my personal testimony. Because I knew if I messed up, I would affect other pastors. Come on now. If I, if I messed up, I would affect my family. If I messed up, I would affect my church. And I want to say to you, we need to be careful that whenever we uh, begin to get maybe disappointed or discouraged or maybe even have a disagreement. And by the way, can, is there, how many of you have, have a family? Put your hand up. You either had a family or you're raising a family. Uh, if you don't have your hand up, we'll identify you with somebody later. Amen. I'm just telling you, everybody is a part of a family. Amen. And the, can I can I just speak honestly with you tonight? Do families not have difficulties once in a while? So sometimes I, I how do I say this? I have diabetes. Anybody else have diabetes? Do you ever get moody? Yes, brother. Amen. Come on, sister. Fess up now. We know you do. Now she, <laughs> she's saying, no, I'm going to murmur against you because I don't believe it. No, I'm not going to murmur. No. So once in a while I get a little cranky. What are you laughing about? <laughs> Miss Ruby. You can't believe that someone as perfect as I would get, right? So the other night I'm on the phone. I spent half of my day trying to raise money for a missionary in India who uh, his wife, they had guests in their home. And the guests turned out to have the H1N1 virus. And they left and they became hospitalized, uh, intensive care. Well, the missionary's wife came down with it. She's now in intensive care uh, in Bangalore, India, with the H1N1 virus. And I spent the whole day uh, working on that, trying to raise $1,500 because they have a hundred, about 110, actually, little orphans. And they need to vaccinate all of them. Uh, by by order of the city that they're in. And that's about a $1,500 thing. So I worked all day on that. And so I called my wife and I say to her, I said, babe, uh, thank God I was able to raise that $1,500. And I told her one of her family members actually gave. And she said, well, I hope you made it clear to them that you weren't raising it for yourself. And it just made me mad. And I got cranky. And I said, babe, we've only lived together 50 years. You don't know that I would never do something that stupid. 
You say, really? You talk your wife like that? Now, don't lie to me and tell me you don't ever have a difference in your family. Come on. Let's just all fess up tonight. Amen. Let's just all be honest tonight. Now, it wasn't five minutes after I hung up. I said, you are an idiot. To myself, not to her, you know. Oh, oh no. I'd never say, oh, if I said that to her, my wife, it would not be good when I got home. That is... Hey, listen, when we got married, we'd only been married a week. I was messing around and just, you know, tickling her. She said, stop tickling me. I don't like to be tickled. And I did it again, and she grabbed me, threw me over her shoulder. I landed against the doorknob. I think I still wear a scar back there some, somewhere. So, no, I would never call her that. I called myself that. And about five minutes later, I got the courage to call her back and say, I'm sorry, but I wanted you to say good job. I want you to say you did a good job. And you just asked me if I made sure that it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me. It was about the missionaries. Now, I could have got all turned sideways and just let that boil. But I stopped and prayed about it and said, Lord, guide my tongue. I need to call my wife and apologize to her. And so after that was done, about five minutes later, I get on the phone a little heart with a little smooch on it. Amen. Now, that's the way we ought to handle our problems. But the truth is, sometimes family can be the most cruel. And I'm talking about the church family. Amen. I'll give you an illustration. When I was pastoring in New England, I led a guy to the Lord out of the drug culture. Uh, later, he he was uh, became a deacon in our church. And we had a Christian school, and we had set a rule that... People have to pay their bills so we can pay our bills. But if you don't, can't do it, you know, we're not going to toss people out. We'd sit down and work out some kind of a payment plan. And so he, he was in charge of getting that done. Well, then it came time that he wasn't paying his bill. A deacon. And so I said to him, deacon, you know what? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And so you need to do the same thing. Sit down and work out a plan. He got so mad at me, I mean so mad at me, he grabbed me by the tie, pushed me against the wall in my office. And he he was just a little short guy, but he was like a rock. He, he was about to work me over. And he said, you never called us. You never talked to my wife. You don't know what you're talking about. She comes running in and says, stop, stop. Preachers called three times. He has talked to us about this. Are you staying with me here? I'm trying to drive a point home. She said, I I never told you. He said, why didn't you tell me? And she said, because I was afraid you'd do the same thing to me you're doing to the preacher right now. Listen, family can hurt you sometimes more than anybody else. And I'll tell you what. Having pastored for 38 years as a senior pastor and other years as an associate, I can tell you, are you all hearing me this? I can tell you that this man goes through things and knows things and hears things and he has to deal with things from a perspective that many of you will never understand. And there are times that he can't come up into this pulpit and tell you the whole story without hurting somebody else. And so he's always trying to mediate. And I want to say to you, and I know nothing about this church. I don't know. All I know is I like you all. And, and, and you know, I do. I mean that. And, and so I don't, I, I'm not, this isn't like bang, 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 bang. I'm trying to get somebody here. I'm just saying 
work together as a family. Amen. If there are issues, resolve them. Come on now. Sit down and resolve them. You know what I've had to do over the years? This is true. My wife's bow, when she makes up her mind, she is strong-willed. Anybody have a wife? No, keep your hand down. No, no, I don't want to cause divorces tonight. I mean, she's strong-willed. Here's the truth. Over the 50 years we've been married, I'm usually the one that has to start things by coming back and saying, Hey, I'm sorry. And sometimes, don't tell her, but she's the sorry one. I mean, she's the one that did wrong. But I have to come back and start the way. Listen, I'm just saying to you tonight, we've got to be willing as family members, the church, the body that Christ has put here. We got to be careful that we don't, that we don't feast on each other's hide. Amen. And that we don't hurt one another. So murmuring is often from people that uh, you love the most and, and you expect them to love you. And, and so listen, as Christians, we, we ought to know something tonight. We ought to know about this preacher that God called him. Uh, God called Moses and God prepared Moses and God spoke face to face with Moses and he used him to deliver the children of Israel. And God gave all kinds of signs and wonders and he led them by the pillar of fire and by the cloud during the day. That ought to have been evidences that, that God was in it. And I can tell you, you ought to be able as the family here to see evidences here every week that God is in this place. Don't allow the devil to make you a murmurer, amen, against your own family. Come on, help me tonight, church. Don't allow that. Number two, number two, not only is it usually with people that we know, but I want to say to you, secondly, murmuring is contagious. It is contagious. Chapter 14 and verse 1. When you get there, look up here just a minute. In chapter 12, who was it? It was Aaron and right, and Miriam. But we come to chapter 14. Let's see who's murmuring there. In chapter 14 and verse 1. And all... The congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said in them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in this wilderness? I want to tell you that murmuring is contagious. Amen? Now, I'm going to illustrate that in a very simple way. Someone gave me a great compliment last night and said that my preaching is nice and simple and easy to get a hold of, and that's what I want. So let me give you a simple illustration. So I was in a church recently, and they were trying out a new hotel. And so he says to me, I want you to be honest with me after the first night and tell me, is this the place we should keep people in because we want to treat the man of God correctly. And he was very kind, very, very kind. And he said, because the last time, the last time we put somebody in a hotel room, they told us the rooms were clean, but they had bed bugs. Okay, now look up here. I fear those little gnawing things anyhow. You know, so I get, I get to the hotel and I get out my little, I get out my little trusty phone. And I, I turn on the, I, I turn on the light 
And I lift up the mattress, shut the lights off, and I'm looking for those vermin. I'm looking for them. And I don't see anything. It looks absolutely clean. And I was real happy about that. But I go to bed, and all of a sudden, I'm itching. No, I'm serious. There's a heart attack here. I, I was just itching all over. And my brain convinces me. I haven't found you, but I know you're there. I know you're hiding somewhere. I get up again, get my light out. I pull up the mattress again. Come on, come out, come out, wherever you are. I get up in the morning and I get this really big bite on my arm. So the preacher asked me and I said, preacher, I don't know what this is. Oh, he said, that's a spider bite. And I said, well, that's not good. But at least it wasn't those little vermins. You know, they weren't those little bed bugs. Have you seen what they look like? Oh, my, it's awful. They actually chew your skin. You all going to go home tonight? (laughs) And you're going to get out your light? And you're going to pull up your mattress and you're going to see all that dead skin that's come off of you the last month? Vacuum your bed out once in a while, friend. But anyhow, and, and, you, and you're, going, you're going to say, oh, praise the Lord, we don't have bed bugs. But you're going to get in the bed and you're going to start itching all over tonight. I know what's going to happen to you. You know what happens in the church? One person gets a case of the murmurs. And it makes everybody start murmuring. We had a lady in our church in Tampa. She was new. She had come from Alabama. Anybody from Alabama? All right. My impressions haven't been good, but I know you too, and so it's better now. Amen? It's it's better. And she was sitting down front. We had the most glorious service. Wow, that clock's moving fast. I got four more points. Well, anyhow... Yeah, well, we had a glorious service that morning. To my recollection, we had ten adults saved at the altar. Awesome service. Man, I I was just walking that high. I mean, I was just so excited. And I come down, and I see her marching at me. And I think she's coming to say, Wow, preacher, what a glorious day in the house of God. Ten people got saved. But that's not what she said. She said, I was sitting here during this service. Our auditorium would seat 1,500. And she said, I noticed that there are five or six bulbs out in this church. Isn't there somebody in charge of fixing the bulbs? And I'm thinking, really, lady? Really? We just had ten people saved. I'm trying to rejoice in what God just did at the altar. And you want to murmur and complain? And I see, I see her. She starts saying, doesn't, she starts walking around telling people, we need to get these lights fixed. That's ridiculous. Five light bulbs out. We have power surges in Tampa. And you can fix them on Saturday night and they'll be gone. They'll be out on Sunday. There's not much you can do about it. And boy, I'll tell you, pretty soon other people come preach. Well, why are those lights out? I got frustrated with it. I finally said, all you people, I said on Sunday night, all you people who are worried about the light bulbs, the ladder is sitting out there in the hall. I expect to see every one of you on it after church getting those light bulbs changed. Amen? Listen, I'll tell you, murmuring can become contagious. Amen? You ever notice somebody walk in the room 
and they're happy. And they make everybody else happy, kind of like me. <laughs> you just walk in a room and you're just bright. I mean, you shine all over even the top of your head, you know. And, 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 and you're happy and people get happy and, and we're, we're rejoicing like you've been laughing tonight. But if I come in here and I'm beating up on you and I've got a bad attitude and I'm murmuring and I'm a complaining, pretty soon all of us are going to be like that and this whole place is going to be in trouble. And I want to suggest to you tonight that all of us have a responsibility to be careful about our spiritual deportment in the house of God. That we don't come in here with the wrong spirit and affect this church. Can I tell you, when you get mad and you want to complain or you want to murmur, you not only hurt yourself, you'll hurt your family who watches that. You'll hurt your church family. The little boys and girls that are watching will determine that that is the way to handle business in the house of God. And it's dishonoring to Christ. Amen. Now, I'm praying that you don't itch tonight, but you probably are going to. It's contagious, amen? Number three, murmuring, this right out of the Word of God, murmuring often leads to insurrection against leadership. Look at chapter 12 and verse number two. Now, remember what Miriam and... And Aaron are murmuring about that he married an Ethiopian woman. Well, look in verse 2. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? Oh, 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 oh. Did you notice what comes next? Read it out loud with me. And the Lord heard it. Ha! Can I tell you tonight? That when you begin to murmur and complain, the Lord hears it. Amen. The Lord hears it. By the way, you say, well, I just won't say it out loud. I'll just think it in my heart. But God evaluates the heart. And He hears the heart. Amen. And by the way, when you have a bad heart like that, a a spiritually bad heart, guess what happens? It finds its way to your body language. Amen. You ever see people just come into church and they're just miserable and you can just look at it? I preached in Dunn, North Carolina years ago. I can't remember the name of the church. They were going through a split the Sunday that I got there. And five men kind of owned that church financially. Businessmen in the church. And they dug the church out of some hard times and they were taking authority. And they came to the preacher. They said to the preacher, you will be done every Sunday by 12 noon. Shut her down if you're not. (laughs) And I came in right in the middle of that. And so at 12 noon, I shut her down. Just long enough to look everybody in the face and say, I understand that there are some who are trying to shut the message down at 12 noon. I will not stop preaching the Word of God. I went on preaching and God honored it and we had people saved. After church, I went out to eat with the preacher and he said, Brother, I'm... So sorry for these men that they're doing this. I said, I know who they are. He said, how do you know who they are? I haven't told you. Oh, I said, I can can take you right back in there right now and point them out to you. Because any time a person has a bad spirit and they become a murmurer, even if it's down in their heart and not coming off their lips verbally, it just becomes part of their body language. Amen. 
And you can tell. Let me just say to you tonight that murmuring usually will lead to insurrection against leadership. They said, is Moses the only one that God speaks to? Can't God use us to do this? And then the next thing, they know they're crying for new leadership and asking God, give us someone else. We don't want Moses. Listen, Moses got them out of all the problems they were in in Egypt. He had led them that far. God had ordained him. God had shown that he was in charge with that pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Come on, people. How much more evidence do you need that God is in something? And they're saying, let us lead this thing. Insurrection against leadership. Be careful that when you grumble, you don't get caught in a situation where you begin to blame leadership for the sin of the people. Number four, I'm moving quickly. Murmuring distresses leadership. Can I um, say this without sounding like a, sounding like I I'm ungrateful to have been a pastor? I'm not. But boy, can I tell you that pastoring can sure be stressful. I want to tell you an experience I had right before I retired in 2010. We had a family come, and they said, uh, Brother Turner, we'd like to join your church. And I had already met with them and talked to them, and I knew they'd been properly saved and scripturally baptized. And, and so I said, uh, good, you come. And here's what they said to me. Man, we're so excited to be joining a church where the Bible really gets handled and taught. And we're so glad to be coming to a church that, get, that just feeds you the Word of God. And before I got to my office, on the other side of the building, I had a family that had been coming, and I knew they weren't happy, and I knew they were grumbling. And here's what they said. Well, preacher, we're going to be leaving the church. And I said, why? Well, to be honest with you, preacher, we just don't believe we're getting fed spiritually. On the other side of the auditorium, I just told we're coming here because of the way you feed us the Word of God and the messages are always good and fresh and right out of the book. And on that side of the auditorium, I wasn't teaching anything. It's stressful. It's stressful to bear the burdens of the church people. God says, bear one another's burdens. I hope you do that as church members. But I'll tell you, pastor has to... Walk that line every day. He has to take the negative talk and, 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 and deal with that and still have a good spirit. Because if he doesn't, somebody will murmur that his spirit's not good. Come on, am I right tonight? So be careful. Be careful that we don't have an insurrection against the man of God. And we don't distress the man of God who's trying to, to lead us. Listen, we need to, like, like Aaron and her, we need to hold up. The hands of the man of God. Can I get an amen on that tonight? We need to hold his hands up. It's a tough job. I told you I deal with guys every week who are wanting to quit. Do you know what I'm hearing? I don't know if this is accurate, but I've been quoted this. That the average pastor... How long have you been here, preacher? It'll be uh, 19 years. The average preacher in America, I've been told by a recent poll, stays only 24 months. 24 months. 
And I've heard that it's even less for youth pastors, like 18 months nationally. And you know what they give as a reason? The stress level. I was just, I was just in a southern state. I just leave it at that. And the little pastor said to me, can I meet you in the morning for breakfast about seven o'clock? We did that on Monday. We did it on Tuesday. We did it on Wednesday. We did it on Thursday. I spent probably four hours every morning with him. Him just pouring out his heart about how distressed he was from people murmuring. We've never done it that way here. Why is the nursery operating that way? We should be doing this. We should be doing that. And I'm telling you, he would sit at breakfast and literally shake. And he said, Preacher, I'm just so overwhelmed by this. It's affected my spirit and I've affected my wife's spirit. And he said, to be honest with you, she's in the nursery every Sunday and she's so distressed because the ladies won't help. And he said, she's telling me, I'm not, I just want to quit the ministry. I just want to, I want to get out of it. I can't take people standing around and talking about us all the time. And, and my kids knowing that people are upset because we're not doing it the way they've done it for, for 75 or 100 years. And the truth is, it was only a handful of them. And that's probably because of the way they, they had been doing it. Are you getting this picture? Murmuring distresses leadership. Number six, I'm getting down, number five rather, I'm getting down to the end here. Murmuring kindles the anger of God. Look with me in Numbers chapter 12 and verse 9. Are you all still with me? All right, I'm trying to help you as a church. This isn't directed at anybody. Chapter 12 and verse 9, read it out loud with me. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. And he departed. Now look up here just a minute. Is there anybody here who would raise your hand in the affirmative that you'd be happy with God being mad at you? You you would? Okay. One of the kids. (laughs) I'm serious here. How many of you would like to make God real mad tonight? How, How many of you would like to know when you go home that the anger of the Lord is mad at you. He's, he's hot at you. The one who makes the thunder thunder. The one that makes the lightning light up the sky. The one who created by the word of his own mouth uh, the entire world. Look at me tonight. Look at me. Do we really want to make God mad? I'm going to tell you, I don't want to make God mad. I didn't even want to make my own dad mad. My dad was six foot. Very lean. He never, he never changed weight five pounds from, from 175 pounds all his life till he had congestive heart failure and died and he picked up some body weight from liquid. But when my dad looked at you, you knew you had been looked at. <laughs> you know what my dad, look at me, you know what my dad said? I will not tell you again. That was one of his favorite Verses. I will not tell you again. You know what we have today? Honey, stop. 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 Okay, okay. One, two, three, thirty-seven, thirty-eight. Am I right? Oh, not my dad. 
He told me not to go up a certain tree in our yard. There was a reason for that. I found out later. (laughs) He came home and guess what? He found me up the tree. And my name, my dad's name was really, truthfully, Zacchaeus, and he climbed the tree. (laughs) Some of you don't know that story, but some are getting it. And he brought me down out of that tree. And he applied the Board of Education to the seat of learning. (laughs) He gave me, listen, a few times when I was growing up, I went to school kind of like this. (laughs) I tried once to put a book back there. It did not work. Anybody have a dad like I had? But you know what? I thank God for that, Dad. All these years later, you know what? I know where the clear lines of demarcation are. But I'm telling you, I never wanted to make my dad mad. I I heard him say more than one time, Boy, you do what I tell you or I'll snatch you up. I'm not sure what that always meant, getting snatched up. But I knew it wasn't good, amen? I knew it wasn't good. I want to say to you tonight, and I'm not trying to be vulgar here. I'm not trying to compare God and my dad to God. But I'm just telling you, I didn't want to make my dad mad. I sure don't want to make God mad. I don't want to make him snatch me up and say, Look, boy, if you can't behave down there, I'll just bring you up here where I can watch you, amen? Boy, I'm te- I don't know. Anybody getting this? Do we want to make God mad, really? By using our mouth to murmur and to complain. You see, I talked about how to bless the church. Now I'm trying to help you to not make the mistake of hurting your church. Amen. Number six. Almost done. Murmuring often comes during the greatest time of opportunity. You know why? Satan is wanting to do his best To destroy the church of God. Amen. And he'll do whatever he can from within and from without. You know what the Bible says? They were right on the precipice of the promised land. Think of this. If they would have just, come on now. If they'd have just given in to the will of God. They wouldn't have had to go on around and around and around and around and say, why is God not taking us there? And oh my, we just ought to go back to Egypt and have the onions and the leeks and the garlics. Oh, if we could just die here. I mean, they have the best of the best. The grapes of escrow, the milk and the honey flowing. They had everything that God wanted to have. It was right in front of them, but they couldn't get there because they couldn't Focused on God because they were focusing on man. Isn't that sad? I want to encourage the church tonight. Be careful. Be careful that you don't begin to murmur and cause God's church to not get where God wants you to go. I'll give you a last thought tonight. Murmuring will end in the judgment of God. Chapter 14. And we're done. Chapter 14 and verse 27. Man, this is sad to even read, but we got to read it. Chapter 14, verse 27. Let's, let's actually begin at 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? Why don't you look up here a minute? 
I want you to know I wasn't a perfect kid. No, no kid's perfect, right? But I, I will tell you this, and my parents, when they, before they died, both of them said to me, Son, you've been a good son. When I stood at my daddy's casket with my wife at my side and my son at my side, I put my hand over on his hand and I said, Dad, I don't know if you can hear me up in heaven or not, but I want to know I'm thankful that I stand here at your casket and there's nothing bad between us that I have to deal with. It was all good. It was all good. I loved him with all my heart. He loved me with all his heart. I was his preacher boy and he's proud of me. And he was my dad who raised me up. Third grade education. Worked hard as a carpenter, built houses. Gave a lot of his money to the poor. We struggled with six kids in the family and didn't have much. I've watched my, my daddy... Preacher, I've watched him push aside the, the the soup because he knew the kids needed more, and not even take a portion. I've watched I've watched my dad many times say, "You kids can have the dessert." When I knew he'd like to have a piece too, he'd worked eight ten hours that day. He was a wonderful father, and I did the best I could. I, I know I failed sometimes. But to this day, I believe I did the best I could to honor my dad. I did the best I could to never disappoint him. I always wanted him to be proud of me. But I'm going to tell you, my dad does not compare to the Heavenly Father. And tonight I want to say to you, I want to do my best. I want to do my best to not disappoint him. I don't want to stand before him one day and say, Turner, Turner, why did you do this? Why did you do that? I, I want to hear him say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, can I just tell you a little secret? We'll close. I struggle every day of my life to be the Christian I ought to be. Someone told me, that I think, Brother Turner, the reason you've been effective in our church is because you identify as just the biggest sinner as we are, and I am. I struggle every day to read my Bible. Anybody struggle to read your Bible? I struggle to pray every day. I struggle to, to, to keep my attention on God and not on the things of the world. It's a daily struggle for me. But I have come, the older I get, the more I know that it won't be long. It could be tonight. It, it, you could hear tomorrow that my plane went down. You could hear uh, in a year that I had a heart attack. Somewhere down the line. I'm getting older. I'll be 69 soon. The days are getting shorter for my home going. And I know this. I don't want to stand before my heavenly father and disappoint him. He's been good to me. He's my Savior tonight. Amen. And I want to say to you tonight, we need to be careful because God was angered. And He brought judgment. Swallowed the people right up in the earth. Miriam was made leprous because she sinned against the Heavenly Father by murmuring. I ask you tonight, do we really want to hurt our family? Do we really want to hurt our Heavenly Father? If not, we've got to be really careful 
that we maintain what God says to us in the Scriptures, that our yea be yea and our nay be nay, and we not be tempted to use our mouths to be less than constructive as a child of God. I hope the message has helped you. I want to say to you tonight, it's not directed at anybody. It's what God gave me for my fall messages. And I think the Lord said to me in my prayer time and in my study, warn my people. Warn my people. The day is close. I believe we're in the last days of the last days. We're in perilous times. Listen to me. We're family. Let's behave like God's family. Let's do what's right. Amen. Let's not allow murmuring to enter it.